Hello, podcast listeners. You are listening to another episode of The Long Journey Home. Let's do the news on today, Tuesday, March 4th, 2014. The latest second edition set, Return to Grace, formerly known as Project Rose, will be releasing on Pi Day, March 14th, 2014, and will become tournament legal one week later on March 21st. This is part of the Phase 2 design, which is said to be have three goals, uh, as indicated in an article by Charlie Plain. Create new and powerful cards, make affiliations matter, and dial back game speed. This set has a discard pile theme. Affiliations that are getting extra attention in this set in particular include Bajorans and Cardassians. The Bajorans are getting a new headquarters, and this is the first time a new headquarters will have released since these are the voyages. We are getting a new ref mission, which has been spoiled in the Q&A thread for Rose. It is Metreon Arena, and non-Borg personnel removed from the discard pile basically relocate to the mission. There is a new relativity personnel, a new future fed, in the form of Julian Bashir, who has the ability to keep people from dying in certain situations, which is pretty neat. And it makes relativity a little bit better uh, at doing what they do already. We'll have more to say about this set as time goes on, but for now... It looks like a very exciting, promising set. Set 30. Amazing. We are at set 30. We have definitely crossed the threshold of original number of sets. Uh, That happened two sets ago, but still pretty amazing. There were five erratas that came out this past week. Four of them for 1E and one card in 2nd edition. The four erratas for 1st edition had to do with dialing back the power of TNG affiliation decks. That means that Sunad and Gozar are no longer universal. They are now unique. Attention all hands now only allows you to report universal personnel who you do not already have in play for free. You can still report them, though. And the mercenary raiders are now no longer a seedable uh, affiliation. They have to be used, they have to be downloaded with continuing mission. So, all in all, it definitely will dial back the power of TNG. Uh, To what extent, though, we will see. Make it so challenge number seven is online. Uh, The challenge is asks for the teams, each team to come up with six cards that revolve around a sub-Delta Quadrant affiliation, including non-aligned Borg, Delta Quadrant Maquis, Kazon, or Delta Quadrant Klingon. Other affiliations are possible. They are not looking for cards for Vidian, Herogen, or I guess main federation. Um, They mentioned explicitly not wanting any uh, dual non-aligned with another affiliation personnel. Uh, there were other restrictions as well. And that entry, entries must be received by March 8th. So good luck to all contestants. 
a new rule was put on the rules tool for second edition says that exchanging and replacing are now each forms of placing a personnel into play. So I think this may have some implications for Borum. I think it makes him better, but I did not have a chance to look at this before broadcast time. So I'm sure these that rule will have some implications, though. Charlie uh, published the Hindsight Call to Arms article. Um, Lessons learned included requirements must be balanced in consideration of the dilemma Gamtu Shockwave and how it requires integrity for both requirements. And also, one must always think about the long term, and in particular, Tarak Noor came to mind. Uh, Charlie mentioned that in working on the next set, or one of the next sets for 2nd edition, that Terraknor is going to have some difficulty in finding additional personnel, and that the lack of foresight on Decipher's part when they introduced the affiliation and call to arms has caused them some headaches. Other things mentioned in the article are that dilemma development and effective affiliation debuts were both key parts of this set. In particular, the Borg coming out were... uh, very uh, well received apparently and uh, all in all that made for the set uh, to be well received let's move on to the forum matters segment this is an interesting topic Uh, Mugatu or Mugato on the message boards claims he wants to get he or she, I'm not sure. He want, or uh, we'll go with he. He wants to get his children, his child of seven and a half years, into playing second edition. So teaching kids Tui sounds like a pretty daunting task, but uh, in the grand scheme of things, it might not be that difficult. Okay, Coyote chimed in on the board saying that he has a couple youngsters himself and has found them to be well receiving of tribbles. Um, but that second edition might also be a challenge. He had some ideas that apparently the chat room threw up, including using straightforward dilemmas when you play the game with your children, as well as using an affiliation that uses uh, abilities that are only effective at the time of playing or uh, have no abilities at all to get away from having to worry about that part of the game. All in all, seems like reasonable ways to try to go about solving a problem like this. And the more people playing, the merrier, even if they are seven and a half years old. All right, let's move on to the top five. Top five first edition cards come out in Blaze of Glory. Now, I may have skipped... Enhanced First Contact, I'm not sure. I may have to come back to that. So, for now, let's talk about Blaze of Glory. So, when you talk about First Edition with players who have played for a long time, older than I have, or longer than I have, rather, they tend to say that Blaze of Glory was the golden era of First Edition. And Blaze of Glory definitely had a lot of interesting cards come out in the set, um and introduced a whole new way of battling uh, ship battles as well. And all of this combined uh, 
very powerful cards, uh, very interesting cards. A lot of verbs, some personnel, but a lot of verbs came out in this set. And they all enabled you to do things that you were already good at, or uh, made you be able to do things that you ought to be able to be good at. Uh, the Borg got a card that allowed them to keep the Queen alive, and the Dominion and other affiliations, even the Borg, uh, got outgunned, which allowed them to uh, capture a ship, an entire ship, with all of its personnel aboard. And as long as you had three times the amount of weapons there, then they did shields. So, a uh, very powerful card uh, when played correctly. Uh, Ilan Tondro came out in the set, and he had the ability to capture personnel once per game. Uh, capture was kind of starting to become... I mean, it was there since Alternate Universe, but I think Blaze of Glory altered the capture rules. And in, uh, I'm not sure, but I think it uh, added the escorting rules. So uh, it kind of changed how captives were uh, dealt with. And we hadn't seen much uh, captive love, actually, since Alternate Universe, now that I think about it. So uh, captives did become kind of a bigger thing. And there were cards like uh, Prisoner Escort and Prisoner Exchange and Captured. And lots of interesting ways to play with your captives and get captives. So... Uh, there was definitely a theme to the set, capturing and battling, and that came out through and through, and this set may be the best example of a well-themed, well-approached game uh, set that had an idea in mind of what it wanted to do, and uh, here was a way to go about it. So enough talking about the set, let's talk about the top five cards from the set. So in the number five slot, I have Battle Bridge Door. Now, uh, it kind of goes without saying. You kind of... It changes the game. It's it's a side deck card. You have to have it in order to play with a side deck. So this card kind of embodies the entire side deck itself. Because many, many tactics came out in the set, as they should have. It made a lot of sense. Um, and as a card, you wouldn't necessarily stock it in the deck. I mean, you can use it to download a tactic, which is fine but uh, enabling you to use the Battlebridge side door made a lot of sense. And this really brought a new element to ship battle. Some say that the Battlebridge door should seat for free, or that another card that gives you some additional power should download the Battlebridge door so that you can essentially use it for free. It's controversial. Controversial. But suffice it to say, it did bring an interesting element to the game in terms of damage, in terms of ship battles, and just making the game have more depth and more strategy, when it's hard to argue with that as a, being a bad thing. Number four on this list, we're going to go with Commandeer's Ship. Commandeer's Ship is definitely uh, a controversial card, but the idea that you could actually take an opponent's ship and do with it as you please was a very interesting idea. Uh, a lot of people will remember that the property logo on this is for Star Trek A Klingon Challenge, which is actually a cipher game that came out right before the card game, a VCR board game. And Robert O'Reilly... I, I know I'm talking to the wrong audience here. I'm sure almost everyone knows about this. But Robert O'Reilly played a Klingon called Kavok. And Kavok makes an appearance in this set. 
and he can report to an empty Federation ship and then download Commandeer ship and then Commandeer it. So this card to me feels like it wasn't solving a problem with the game, but it was making for a very interesting way to interact with your opponent. So, and maybe the problem here was there wasn't enough interaction. So I'm all for cards like this as long as they are not out of hand. And it's still a very, very challenging thing to pull off, even with Luther Sloan out there, who can report to, say, an empty ship, and then you could play commandeer ship from your hand or download it with the right personnel. So all in all, it's, it's just... It's kind of... Commandeer ship also, you can see it on the table, and when your opponents, when your personnel are on an opponent's ship, that ship can't be sucked up to hand, which is probably good for anyone trying to get cards over to an opponent's ship and don't want those personnel to just randomly disappear all of a sudden. That would be kind of an NPE, I guess. So uh, I, think, I think that part on the card probably solved the problem that the card itself came up with, which was... Well, I could just suck up the ship. Well, no, you can't. <laughs> so, it, I to to me, commandeer ship also is a card that they wanted Kavok to do something. They wanted Kavok to be able to commandeer a ship, and they said, "Well, we could either bake it into his game text, or hey, how about we have him download a card that explains how to commandeer a ship?" And this kind of thinking we start to see more these days when we start to convert second edition cards into first edition and we start to download cards that do those random abilities that we find on second edition cards. So in my opinion, if we were to ever convert, not Kavok, but uh, Kruge to first edition, we'd probably just have him download Commandeer Ship, because his ability is basically already on a card. Alright, so Commandeer Ship, definitely an interesting card, an important card, and it deserves a slot on this top five list. Number three on the Blaze of Glory list, let's go with Examine Singularity. So, my guess is that this was designed as a way to get around people doing abusive things with, uh, black hole and you would play it on I assume you can play it on your opponent's black hole but it also gives you something to do with the card other than to just make space bigger or smaller depending upon if you've reversed it or not so I don't know how long games of first edition were going at this point but I'm assuming that there was at least I don't know 10 turns or so so you would see the space line get bigger with a black hole and it might have been annoying people might have been using wormholes to suck your ship over there and then at the end of the turn the ship blows up and that might have been really annoying so here was at least a bullet to try to get around that card but it was a fun card too you could open up black holes and then close them and score 15 points so it's just kind of a cool card and it made this really random card that probably had no place ever being designed in first edition even though I did put it in my top five for, for uh, the Fajo collection, I, uh, I think it's just a very interesting card that uh, lets you make something interesting out of an already interesting card. All right, let's move on to number two. Uh, that would be 
Uh, Outgunned. Yes, I mentioned it before, but I didn't say it was on the list yet. Outgunned, number two. I don't know if it deserves the number two slot, but oh well. It is, first of all, I don't know if the the Borg can't take captives, so I guess they can't play Outgunned, which is fine. Um, But any deck that, this card encourages interaction, and that's good. It says, if you can build up a fleet and get them over to your opponent's ship, and you can get there, then you can capture all their people and do with those captured people what you please. Now, it's kind of an MPE, right? Because if you're just a new player and you have no idea what you're doing, you're going to be on your your little dinky galaxy-class ship with your dinky personnel, and then your opponent's going to come over and then game over. And I'm sure that happened to me once or twice when I played uh, early on. But uh, that's not so good. But this is a card that does encourage interaction. And once you've faced it, you go, oh my god, this card exists? They made a card like this? Well, I better make sure it doesn't happen again. So maybe I should play with mutational shields. Maybe I should do something else, you know. Maybe I should play with this card. It, it, it changes the game, and it, it forces the game in another direction, and you have to start thinking about, well, if a card like this exists, well, what do I do about it? And it's not terribly broken. I mean, your, your opponent still has to devote substantial resources to pull a card like this off. But the riskier the reward, the greater the profit, right? The riskier the road, right? And this is a great example of that interesting idea of designing cards, and I don't think we see a lot of this anymore. So, uh, just a fascinating card that I love. And the fact that it's an interrupt is even better, because you don't even see it coming. Or maybe you do see it coming, and you go, oh, crap. You gotta draw it. I don't think anything downloads it. It's it's not easy to do, but if you can do it, it's fun. And it's interesting, and it's definitely a LaForge maneuver, so. Alright, let's wrap this up here with number one. What could number one be? Well, of course, it is the big picture, right? Uh, so, swing and a miss on Balancing Act, right? Here's, an, uh, here's a card that says, if you're not balanced, you lose 50 points. Well, I don't want to spend a dilemma on something that might, might nerf. Uh, instead, I would be willing to spend a card play to make sure my opponent has to solve at least one plan and one space mission. Or have to solve at least probably two additional missions, maybe one. Okay, I can live with this. And the fact that it got a ref icon, oh, wow, Mm, excuse me. The fact that it got a ref icon added to it later on just was icing on the cake because it really did say, hey guys, don't play with all plan and all space. And if uh, balancing act wasn't enough of a stick against that, well, here's one. So, uh, gotta love balancing act. Or gotta love uh, big picture though. Uh, it 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 is one of those cards that sends a message to the players and says, "Don't do that anymore." It did it effectively. And yes, it can be an NPE against new players and whatnot. But I don't think new players really understand that. You know, oh, all planet missions is you know easier because planet dilemmas are easier and it's easier to redshirt with them or something like that. We weren't thinking about that yet. So, um, yeah, number one on the list. All right, let's move on to the philosophy.
Wow, what a long show already. All right, well, what can we talk about? Maybe we can talk about uh, Return to Grace a little bit. So far, what I'm seeing from the set, this is just going to be a free-flow thought of what I've seen so far. And, I mean, I, I haven't seen the cards already. All I've seen are what everyone else has seen. And I am very excited about what I'm seeing so far. The first affiliation I really came to love when I started playing 2nd Edition was Cardassians. And I quickly found out that because their attributes kind of suck, that they're just not that competitive. However, they are very interactive, and you can very easily... Uh, not easily, but... It is possible to pick off just the right guy by capturing him or her. And it, it can happen. It doesn't happen often, but when it does, it can be rewarding for the Cardassian player. And just gives them a little something extra that says, okay, maybe I'm doing something right here. And they have Commandeer Prototype, they can get out the Phoenix so that they can make their opponent's game a little longer, maybe, sometimes not, sometimes yes. So it's just, uh, it's good to see that Cardassians in the state they're in are getting a little bit of love. And Trap is Sprung, is becoming a somewhat controversial card because it has a fewer amount of counters than most capture cards uh, to actually pull off the capture, which I think is fascinating. It gives... This, this I think, is maybe... I know Charlie has said that the affiliations are gaining a distinctive flavor. Cardassians are definitely very flavorful already, but they're getting a card here that feels very Maquis to me at least. You play it on an opponent's mission to discourage them from going to that mission. However, in the end, the discouragement isn't all that much. They can always just send one guy down and say, okay, you get this guy. He's yours. I'm done. Whatever. Or you can put it put three copies on one mission and then your opponent goes, well, hmm. I can just not do that mission. Can I really do my other three missions? That sort of thing. Or if they're at dual headquarters, and they're like, well, I'm going to have to hit it eventually. And then they can go, well, you know, I can at least kind of say F you by going around and doing it last so that you don't get the captives until late in the game. So either way, the card is at least interesting. I don't know if it's that powerful, but... Uh, once the Cardassians get a captive, they're able to start doing some of their fun stuff, like uh, um, the event that says you have to have that captive skills in order to uh, get past a mission, or I can discard a card from hand, or something like that. I can't remember right now. But uh, getting the captive in the first place is definitely very important. So it's just another tool to get a captive going. So very excited about that. So, uh, what else is going on here in this set? The new headquarters is interesting. It allows you to play orbs and uh, artifacts early on. Uh, thieves, uh, looks like, are not going to get much love here. Um, that is, they're not going to be able to use this to get an artifact out early, which is fine. They've still got their own thing. But now Bajorans can get artifacts out early. And is that enough? Is that enough for you to not play non-aligned? Well, we're gonna, that's going to shake out as time goes on. And I'm sure playtesting has shown that there's some place for this mission, this headquarters mission. So 
I don't know what to think of it yet. I'm just, it's exciting to see that we're thinking about new headquarters and maybe this is kind of touching or uh, spreading the wings out and trying to figure out what's going on. I could easily see an idea like this being ported over to Teraknor so that they could download something like Reclaim Teraknor early in the game to make for uh, more interesting games, but maybe at the cost of not being able to play non-aligned guys in this set, but that's okay. I imagine they don't do much of that anyway. So I'm, I'm glad to see that we're testing the waters, as they say, on making new headquarters missions. There's a lot of complaining that this set is nerfed by Greasy Ducat, and I guess that will remain to be seen. I know the ref mission seems like uh, an attempt to say, hey, maybe you shouldn't be getting rid of my opponent's personnel. I suppose that might make uh, for some... Mm, I, in a relativity deck, I don't see it being too important. Uh, Yes, I don't want you to take my only copy of data out of play, but at the same time, I'd much rather you take data out of play than taking my only copy of Temple Transporters, or all three of my copies of Temple Transporters that are in my discard pile. So um, so when I think about the discard pile, I think Bajorans, and I think Relativity, and Cardassians a little bit, but not so much, because they're not getting things out of the discard pile, they're really putting things into the discard pile. So... Uh, so what then? So I'm thinking that that mission was made with uh, Bajorans in mind. Uh, there's a concern that wariness is going to be less doable now, if not impossible. And maybe that's true to some degree. I really don't know. But the easy way of getting personnel out of play uh, is now, uh, with Greasy Ducat, is going to be a little bit harder to do. Uh, and there was a dilemma that made some use of personnel out of play. Uh, was it next phase, I think it was? And I don't know how that's going to get affected by this card, but uh, having this new ref mission is definitely going to make some people, um, some people not play certain decks. I don't think it's going to make people not play with Greasy Ducat, though, because he still has high utility. And if I'm facing an opponent... Um, who's playing with this ref mission, and I have Greasy Ducat, well, I'm probably going to avoid your personnel. Or if, uh, if it's really so bad, if I really, you know, I've got, you've got Basso, and you are about to put, you know, you just put Chakotay out of play, uh, or in your discard pile for the seven counter uh, number, well, I guess I'd rather you have him in play than uh, I put him out of play. Although, I, I, maybe there's some restriction on you have to be able to play the personnel at your headquarters or something like that. So I'm not really sure. And what if uh, you already have that personnel in play? Do they go out of play anyway, or you just can't target them? I'm kind of confused about that, but I'm sure the rules have been uh, discussed and figured out. So uh, what else is interesting about the set? Tool of the game. Uh, great. Love it. Uh, let's bring back the heightened perception decks, and let's make them better. I'm all for it. The problem with a Chula deck is, or I guess it would be fine though, uh, with heightened perception I always see a lot of Chula Dilemmas. The other place I see a lot of Chula Dilemmas is in a tragic turn pile, and that kind of turns me off a little bit, but I guess I'm okay with that. What about a tragic turn pile 
that doesn't focus so much on killing, but instead focuses on stopping. Is this a very terrible idea? I'm sure it is, but I'm thinking you throw the truly the game out there, you've got the TT, and now you just hit a Chula Dilemma, so stop one guy, and now this one says randomly select three guys, if one of them's odd, you know, all of them are stopped, and then TT says stop another. Well, let's see, that would put, what, one, two, three cards under, right? Um, three cards under to stop it, it's, it's all right. Uh, standard attrition, you could probably do better with uh, just getting cards back, healing hand, honorable pursuit, uh part-time, uh, not that those can't be in the tragic turn pile, um, but maybe that's not quite the right thinking here, but definitely a card like Truly the Game makes me think about Truly Dilemmas a bit more, makes me think maybe I want to try Heightened Perception, maybe if I can protect the event though, and it's kind of tough when my only copy of Heightened Perception gets nerfed out, my opponent goes attempt a mission, and then I gotta just put a bunch of cards under, because... I don't know. Some of them are going to hit, some of them are not. Hmm. Anyway, it does at least make me think about it again. So that's good. All right. uh, Return to Grace looks exciting. I'm very excited for it. I'm hoping that it is all I ever wanted for in a 2E set and more. So let's wrap it up here, everyone. My phone number, for those interested, is 267-CALL-CPJ. You are welcome to leave a voice message that if you'd like it played on the air, I'd be happy to do that. You can send me a PM on the message boards at CorbinQ27, or you can email me at CorbinJohnson at me.com. Until next time, this is Corbin Johnson signing off, saying so long and thanks for all the trek. This podcast is released under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial Sharealike 3.0 Unported License. To find out more about that license, visit creativecommons.org slash licenses slash by dash nc dash sa slash 3.0. Our theme music is Space Ace by Mark Teichert. Other songs included are Inspiration and Mission Briefing by Mark Teichert. Our outro song is Teleporter by Dungeon Kimura. You can find out more about these artists at jamendo.com. J-A-M-E-N-D-O.com. And each of those is released under the same or similar Creative Commons licenses as this podcast. 